are listening to a life-impacting message preached by Bishop Richard Ayi at the Ready at 20 service, London. Bishop Richard Ayi is the pastor of the First Love Church UK, a denomination founded by Bishop Dag Hewitt-Mills. The First Love Church is full of zealous young people who love and desire to work for the Lord. You will be encouraged and uplifted as you listen to this powerful sermon.
Wow. All right. Well, we've come to the most important part of today's service. I feel like we're about to have a very exciting message. So without further ado, let's welcome our pastor, Bishop Richard Ayi. Awesome, awesome. Take your seats. Yes. Beautiful. Are you blessed? Are you happy to be in church? God is blessing us. Amen. Today, I think that I want to talk to you about six reasons. Um, six reasons why none tithers. So, I mean, we've been talking about people who pay tithe. We're still talking about tithing. Um, so, I want, I want to give you six reasons why those who don't tithe, that is non-tithers, become poor. Okay. Because um, tithers, tithers can become rich by the blessings of God. By the, that's, 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 that's the expectation when you're a tither and you practice tithing and you have the culture of tithing God favors you and God blesses you okay so a special group of people before I start giving you the reasons a special group of people who are masters of tithing are the Jews okay yes so I want to read um, I mean just a few things 
for you to see. There's a, there's a chapter here that says secrets, secrets to the wealth of Jews. Okay. So different books I'm reading to you. I'm, I'm reading. Okay. So I'm just reading bits and bobs here. And then I come, what, what does I'm talking about? Why non-tithers become poor? Yeah. So I'm trying to read. Now I'm going to read. I'm trying to read facts to you. I mean, if I don't, I don't know where you live, but if you live in the neighborhood or close to a neighborhood where there are Jews, you see that Jews are prosperous. Yes, they are rich. I mean, they are good. Yes, they are good. So I'm trying to show you the the some facts, in the lifestyle of Jews. So different books have outlined what they believe to be the keys to the wealth of Jews. I do not doubt that these keys have contributed to the wealth of the Jews. However, I'm particularly interested in references made to what I believe is the real root of Jewish wealth. I believe that Jews have followed the principles of tithing and giving more than any other group of people. To me, this is a single factor that lies at the heart of their wealth. So let's look at some of the beliefs. What makes Jews different from other ethnic groups is a specific religious culture that has shaped their values and strongly influenced how they view the world. The beliefs of the Jews are taken from different holy books, including the Mishnah, the Talmud, and the Torah. Their lives are regulated by these beliefs and thousands of years have not eroded the fundamentals of what they believe about God and man. Thousands of years have not shifted them away from it. When you hear thousands of years, it means that a lot of things have happened. A lot of things have gone on. A lot of things. And when, when we say a lot of things, some of the things will make you believe more. Some of the things will make you stop believing. So you see that at time, time can erode some beliefs or some aspects of culture. And then also the things that are you are deeply entrenched in, no matter how long it takes, you say you, are, you still have it. You still have those things. You still practice those things. And you still do those things. And so they, 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 are, they are stuck to some of these things. And one of which is given. One type of giving is what we are talking about, tithing. You must always remember that when tithing Tithing is, is actually given. And you, are, and you are actually blessed. You are actually blessed to have something that makes you give. Even if you don't want to give. Because you are still giving. So when you are tithing, it's given. So all the things that are linked to giving is activated when you are a tither. When you don't do anything at all. You don't give, you don't give to poor people. You don't, you don't give anything to Turkey as they, they have their problem. You don't give offerings. Um, you've never offered to pay for the Nando's for your friend before. All these things. Because, because all these things are given. You know, all these things are given. All these things are given. Even if you pay for a piece of chicken for somebody, it's giving. You're sowing a seed. And, it, and it's a good work. Yes, it's a good work. So they have thousands of years have gone by, but this aspect of their culture has not eroded 
and way. Now, what, what Jews believe about, first, let me tell you, what Christians believe about money, and then I'll read to you what Jews also believe about money. The Christian's view, view about wealth is balanced with eternal values. That balance has weakened the resolve of some Christians to be wealthy. According to some Jews, the New Testament and the Christian world have an ambivalent attitude toward money and wealth. This means the Christian view of, on acquiring wealth is uncertain, contradictory, and sometimes fluctuating. They quote such captures as the ones below that show, that show Christians to, somewhat, to be somewhat disapproving of real wealth. This uncertain belief system about the usefulness of wealth contributes to an uncertain pattern of wealth distribution among Christians. So they quote scriptures from like Matthew 19.24, Luke 18.25, and um, Mark 10.25, which says, easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter into the kingdom of God. So a Christian might, might, might end up saying that because if this is what it is, I want to enter into the kingdom of God so I won't be rich. Then they quote scriptures like 1 Timothy um, 6 and verses 8 and 9. If we, have, if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall in, into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people onto ruin and destruction. Luke 16, 13 says that you cannot serve God and wealth. So, so you, see, you see the balance. It's like, should I be rich? Should I not be rich? If I'm rich, am I going to lose my God? Am I going to lose my faith? Then, first, which is a big one, First Timothy 6.10 says that the love of money is the root of all evil. But it doesn't say that you shouldn't have money. It says the love of money. The love of money. The love of money. The Bible says that treat, treat um, the sisters with all purity. It's like the young girls, they say treat them as sisters with all purity. Because there's a danger of not treating them as such and doing all sorts of things with them. So because of that, should we not have sisters in the church? <laughs> because we can move to the extreme and, and say that, okay, we won't have sisters in the church. Or sisters should sit on the left side and brothers should sit on the right side. When we close from church, the brothers should go home first. <laughs> then we keep the sisters. It's like a football match, away fans and home fans. I think usually the away fans are kept in the stadium and then the home fans are, are, sh- are shoot off. They should go home. It's like you make sure they, they are gone and then they release the away fans. Otherwise, they'll go and fight outside. Do you understand? So the Bible says that elder women treat the elder women as mothers. Do you understand? So when you see the greater love um, pastors and things, you have to treat them as mothers. They receive them as mothers. And then the younger as sisters. With all purity. With all purity. You understand that? So I don't know whether I should bring a rule into the church that sisters will sit on this side. The brothers sit on this side. When we close from church, I'll, I'll protect the sisters. I'll keep the sisters here for an hour after church. All the brothers should go. Even the sisters are shouting, hey, it's like, why? 
We want to see them. <laughs> you see? You see? Sisters, you want to see them, isn't it? I shouldn't let them go, isn't it? You like to mix with them. You like to say hello to them. Yes. Hey. Hmm. So, so you see, Christians have this tug of war. This kind of tussle between riches and this. But the scripture said the love of money. The love of money. Okay. Now, what Jews um, believe about money. Okay. Um, but for the Jews, wealth is a good thing. A worthy and respectable goal to strive forward. What's more, once you earn it, it is tragic to lose it. Judaism has never considered poverty a virtue. The first Jews were not poor, and that was good. The Jewish founding fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were blessed with cattle and land in, ab- in abundance. According to the Jewish belief system, with your financial house in order, it is easier to pursue your spiritual life. So if you see what Jews believe in, they believe that you must be rich and you must be okay so that you can follow God properly. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so this, is what, this is what they believe about, about giving. What Jews believe about giving. The Talmud says that you are only as wealthy as the amount you are able to give. Yes. Yes. Their, their wealth and their beliefs is very much linked to giving. And they have prospered. They have prospered. Any nation you go into where Jews are, they are always the wealthy or amongst the top. They are always there, up there. From America, anywhere, they are the, the tops. And they believe that you are, you are only as wealthy as the amount you are able to give. Mm-hmm. The Torah, the Torah, you are forbidden to reap the whole harvest. A remnant in the corner must be left to the poor. So in other words, whatever you earn or whatever you reap, you don't spend all on yourself. You leave some for the poor that is given. You consider, you consider needs. Who has need? Who has need? Where is there a need? Is there a need that I can help, I can contribute towards? This is, this is their life. And then they have the degrees of Chedaka. Chedaka, spelled T-Z-E. D-A-K-A-H. Jews and non-Jews differ on their views of charitable giving. Jews are taught that charity is an obligation rooted in social justice, not in love or pity for their fellow man. The word for charity in the Hebrew is chidaka, 
or Zidaka or Tzidaka. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a Hebrew expert. From the root word Zidek, meaning justice or righteousness. Moses Maimonides, a 12th century scholar and philosopher, determined that there are eight degrees of Zidaka. Jews, therefore, have eight levels or stages of giving. Are you in church? Are you listening carefully? Yes. Today, I'm tapping into your intellectual part because you're already at 20. Okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to meet somebody. When, when we get up, out of the reasons, I'm going to read the reasons why people will come. I'm going to read through it. When I get into that, you'll see that you'll hear people speak, excuse me to say, excuse me to say, foolishly. Why are you going to do this? Why are you taking your money to this? So you need a foundation, both a spiritual foundation and also an intellectual foundation for what you believe in. You have to, because you have to be able to defend your faith and not just do things blindly. You don't, you don't do things blindly and just do things because he said that uh, we are do, we are, just see somebody who are doing it. Otherwise, when someone challenges you, you just give up. You just give up on your very source of your wealth and your blessing. Yes. So that's what I'm, I'm reading to you so that, you know, I hope you read, you read through it again yourself. So stage one is that the person gives reluctantly. So this like they have 12 stages. Eight, sorry, eight levels or stages of giving. Stage one is someone who gives reluctantly. Two is the person gives graciously but less than his or her means. So in other words, it's like there are, some, there are people who can, who can give offerings, let's say offerings of 10 pounds, but they give two. Or they don't give at all. Or they give one. So they give, but they give way below what they can actually and genuinely give. So you, you will see that from what they believe that someone's wealth is very much related to his giving. You said that such a person is not doing so well in life. They won't do so well in life because the person does not give as well as they can give. Three, the person gives the proper amount but only after being asked. So it's like if it's in church, the person has to say that, okay, all of you want to give 100 pounds, come to the front. Those want to give 150, come. Those want to give 200. So it's like, okay, if you've asked me to come and give, I will give. If you don't ask, I'll never give. Mm. Four, the person gives before being asked. Five, the person gives without knowledge of the recipient, but the recipient knows the donor. Do you understand? Six. The person gives without making his or her own identity known. So it's like this time you have received somebody, you don't know who is giving it, who is giving it. It's like it's a level. It's a level. That's, that means that's the level of I'm giving, I don't want any thank you. Yes. I'm giving, I don't want any thank you. So you don't need to know that I'm the one giving, but I've given. I'll do it for you. I'll do things, but I don't want you to know that I'm the one who did it. 
And then stage seven, the person gives without knowing the recipient and without making his or her identity known. So previous one, it's, it's, like, it's like you know who you are giving to. Now you've gone to a level where you don't even know who you are giving to. And you don't want to be known also as the one given. And then they have level eight, where the person helps another by enabling that person to become self-sufficient through a gift or loan or helping him gain or find employment. That's, that's their eighth and highest level. That is, in other words, you, you are helping people to become self-sufficient. To be able to stand on their feet, like they say. Mm-hmm. Do you want more facts? I'll give you this one that I want you to know. I want you to know about... Wait, before I, I do that one. Yeah, okay, I have some few more minutes there. Um, six facts about Jewish given. Okay. And I'm really, why Jewish, 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 Jewish? Because they are wealthy. Yes. If you want to learn anything, you learn from the best, isn't it? Yeah. Don't you like to learn from the best? Yes. Anything you want to do, you learn from the best. So if these are the people that you learn from them, don't you want to become um, wealthy? Do you want to become poor Christians? No. Even your tongues will be lean. <laughs> so let me give you these six facts very quickly. Six facts about Jewish given. The average American gives 2% of disposable income to charity compared to 4% for the average Jew. That, so that means that, that that alone means that a Jew will give twice as much as the average American. The annual campaign for the United States appeal, sorry, the United, the United Jewish Appeal, UGA, collects about one billion annually, one billion US dollars annually, drawing from 2% of the total population. The United Way annual campaign, in contrast, Attracts 32 million contributors and raises 3.6 billion. Are you following? Three, with the possible exception of the Salvation Army, the United Jewish Appeal raises more money than any other individual charity in America, including the American Red Cross, Catholic Charities, and the American Cancer Society. Four, total Jewish philanthropic given totaled about $4.5 billion in 1997. This includes $1.5 billion from, to federations, including UJA, $2 billion to six, um, dollars to synagogues, and $7 million sent to Israel outside UJA, which became known as the United Jewish Communities in 1999. And $250 million U.S. million for educational, religious, and community relations institutions and agencies. Mm-hmm. People are serious about giving. Very, very serious about giving. And once you, ha- once you have to give, you see, once you can give, it means you have to be able to give. You must always remember that. Yes. Five. Among the nation's most generous donors, Jews are prominent. 
Worth Magazine's annual Benefactor 100 contained 35 Jewish philanthropists in April 1999. You can also get where in 2023, so you can also go and get your updated uh, info. You see that the Jews are still there. Six, the impressive amount of Jewish philanthropy is due not only to Jewish wealth, but also to well-organized and massive efforts to raise funds for Jewish causes. It serves as a model for other groups that want to create an effective fundraising organization to meet monetary goals year after year. So these are the six facts about Jewish giving. And then there are some three things I wanted to read to you. Let me find it. I think it's here. Three Jewish principles that lead to the path of prosperity. Just three. One. Don't try to find a rational reason for giving away your money. Charity is irrational. Nevertheless, it benefits the giver in many ways. You give money away not because it is rational, but because it is right. It is part of the traditional way of life in the United States. So now here I'll, 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 give, you, I'll give you a tip or an advice. Anytime, anytime, anytime you feel led, you understand, as if you know when you are being led, you feel led to give money. Don't consult people. Yes, even your wife or your husband. That's if you feel led by God. If you experience enough, you can ask those who are married or those who have committed people in their lives. Anytime they have discussed giving, they are either stopped or it is halved or it is reduced. Because it's never rational. So what you, are, you have to know that what you are feeling are being led to do. Everybody around you, it does not feel that way or is being led to do the same thing. So you should, you should, you, you should learn to refrain from discussing what you feel led by the spirit of God to do. Well, if you are not sure, don't do. Yes, it's better not to do. So that you don't have regrets. So that Satan doesn't speak to you after. Yes. But if you are sure. Why am I saying that? Because it's not a rational thing. It's not a rational thing that, okay, won't do this. Because you'll be, give, you'll be surprised that your closest friend, your wife, your whatever you have in your life will give you seven reasons why what you're about to do is crazy. Yes. Before you realize you haven't sown the seed you want to sow. And that's your blessing out of the window. That is your blessing going through the window. Discuss giving, your giving will be quenched. And that's your wealth and your prosperity quenched. So you can put that in your back pocket. One day when you uh, have something, you have to know that. That's what I'm saying. When I read, I read this point, I mean that look, don't try to find a rational reason. Because usually when you discuss things, you are trying to find a rational, you are trying to justify your action. You are, you are wondering, am I doing the right thing? Is there something wrong? And then usually people will give you wrong reasons. Because 
charity is irrational. Yes, charity is irrational. Have you learned something today? Two, the second principle is that give money away because it is one of the most powerful and effective ways of increasing your own income. More than just a few business lunches are scheduled as a result of chance encounters during charitable support work. Rest assured that in every little time you will be involved in transactions, partnerships, or collaborations that grew from your association with your charitable group. So give money away because it is one of the most powerful and effective ways of increasing your own income. Three, keep in mind that giving away money is like investing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I had a, past, a, a minister, a great blessed, successful minister saying that never say that you are supporting the work of God. He said you cannot support God. He said, he, he explained, he said, think about it. You are coming to support God. God is doing something. You are saying you are coming to support him. He said, it's your opportunity to invest. You are investing in what God is doing. Because God has said, I will build my church. I'll build my church. I'm building my church. And then you are, you feel, I mean, if you have heard the statement, support. Support. We are supporting healing Jesus. We are supporting healing Jesus. We want to be partners of healing Jesus. No, 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 no. Rather, you are being given an opportunity to invest in what God is doing. It's an investment for you. Your support, support who? Support what? Before you join the church, there was healing Jesus. Healing Jesus has been there before you join the church. Healing Jesus campaign had been there. It's been ongoing in nations before you join the church. God, God has been building his thing and working on his thing before we, before we arrived. No, why do you support God? God is so weak that he needs a weakling like you to come and support him. <laughs> it's an investment. Consider it as an investment. That's what, that's what the scripture, the scripture, you know, we have borrowed words. Ah, we have almost despiritualized things. Because the scripture, the word the scripture uses is seed. Seed is always an investment. Because it has the potential to grow. It has the potential to multiply. That's why it uses the word seed. It's your investment. You are invested so that you, you can get more. You have seen the chance. You are the greedy boy. You have seen a chance to get more. Not that God needs your money. The silver and gold are his. The cattle on a thousand hills. If you count one thousand hills with cattle on each of them, all belongs to God. How many cows do you own? Do you own? Yes. So, in the case of charity, you give away money with the idea that it may one day come back to you in plentiful returns. But perhaps it may not. (laughs) There are no guarantees. The same is true of investing money and effort in your own enterprise. Your investment may one day produce great returns. However, it is just possible that nothing will come of it. 
but you should do it anyway. Giving away money keeps your investment muscle fully exercised and ready for opportunity. Yes. So giving and learning to give makes you ready and prepared to know how to give. So as you give, 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 give. You know, like the, like the scripture says, uh, in the morning sow thy seed, in the evening withhold not thy hand, because you know which of them will prosper. It's better, it's better than not giving in the morning and not giving in the evening. It is better than also than just giving in the evening. It's also better than just giving in the morning. So he says, in the morning, sow your seed, and in the evening, withhold not thy hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. So in other words, exercise your giving muscles. So that any opportunity you have to give, you give. So you, you give tithe, you give offerings. You give tithe, you give offerings. You give tithe, you give offerings. You give tithe in January, you give tithe in February, you give offerings in January, you give offerings in February. You keep giving because you don't know which of them shall prosper. Because it's your investment. Because people who lack the muscles to invest are lean, are lean and poor and dry. Yeah. They have nothing. Mm. a Jewish testimony. Giving away 10% of your after-tax income. Hannah Hannah Baines worked as a professional storyteller using her dramatic skills to excite both children and adults about Jewish history and traditions. To drum up business, she developed a mailing list of synagogues and religious schools to which she sent regular advertising mailings. Are you still here? Her very first paid job was for a local synagogue. She she describes it as having been such an embarrassing disaster that she removed that institution's address from her future mailings, knowing that it would never hire her again. Are you with me? Hannah said, the life of an artist can be precarious and besides telling stories, I did temporary work to make ends meet. Every month I paid my bills, but sometimes it was a real struggle. I knew of the Torah rule about tithing from my earnings, but in my financial position, I didn't see how I could possibly give 10%. I rationalized that since I was performing for Jewish charitable organizations, I was given time instead of money. I once heard of a guitarist who said that his tithe is the guitar he plays in the church. No, it is what I've heard before. (laughs) Then Then one evening, then one evening, She found herself inspired by a speaker who explained the value of tithing from one's income. On the spot, she decided she would donate to charity 10% of the fees from, from, from her very next storytelling job, which is exactly what she did. A few days later, Hannah received a phone call from the synagogue where she had given her first miserable performance. We've built a new sanctuary. And we'll be dedicating it. Will you tell stories at at our dedication? I'm afraid 
we can, uh, I'm afraid, all we can offer is X amount of dollars. The lady on the phone told Hannah, mentioned a fee far higher than she would have asked. A coincidence, perhaps, but Hannah believes not. That wasn't the only job that came in unexpectedly. Within weeks of design of deciding to give away 10% of my storytelling income, that income doubled. And the principle has proven to be true in the ensuing years. As long as I tithe, my freelance income is reliable. I forget, it dries up. If I forget, it dries up. Wow. Yeah, somebody was clapping. I think you can continue. <laughs> so well today i thought i would um read these things to you what what was the title of what i said i was going to share with you six reasons why why non-tithers become poor so I, i need you to become more like the jews and prosper and be wealthy by giving by putting yourself in the mode of giving tithing being one Offerings being one, before you get you get other opportunities to sow seeds, to be generous. You know the scripture says that the generous soul shall be made fat. The liberal, the liberal soul shall be made fat. The liberal soul shall be made fat. The liberal person, the person who is generous, he he prospers. He prospers. He does well. He does better in life. Are you believing in what the Bible says? Yes. So, here's the six reasons. I think the six reasons are better than the, uh, the other topic I was fighting with is whether I should tell you about the bad thoughts of non-tithers. Yes, but I think six reasons why non-tithers become poor would be better, okay? So, let's, let's stick with that. One day we'll do the bad thoughts, maybe next week. So, number one, number one, I'm ending. Oh, you're blessed already. Speak the truth and shame the devil. You are blessed, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Because what I'm sharing with you is not for your life in first love. It's for your life. Yes. That be givers, the people who give, of which one should be your guaranteed tithing. Yes. Never shift from that thing. Never shift from that thing. Since I got, since I got saved, I got saved in October 1985. I've not shifted away from tithing. I've not shifted away from tithing. So from that month, I've not shifted away from tithing. I don't know where you were in October 1985. But that's, when, that's when I got saved. Yes. I've not shifted away from tithing and I, I have no regrets for it yes yeah hmm. tithing and giving yeah so the first reason non-tithers become poor because they have nothing to harvest Hosea chapter 8 and verse 7 says that for they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It has no stalk. The bat shall, shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, the strangers shall swallow it up. 
Because prosperity, the most basic way of the most fundamental thing about prosperity is given. So if you sow nothing, you reap nothing. So he said, you have sown the wind. That is, they have sown air. They will reap whirlwind. Something greater than the wind they have sown. So you see, you must be, you must be determined. As determined as you are to be in church. And as determined as you are to dress well in church. And as determined as you are to be, to do other things, you have to also be determined to have something to give as offerings or tithe. And not to be a wind person. It must be something you must, you must take seriously and be determined that I will be a seed sower. As you are determined to pray every day. And you are determined to read your Bible every day. Jews are not born again Christians. They don't believe in Jesus. No, no, they don't believe in Jesus. They believe in the law. They don't believe in Jesus. They're not born again. They don't speak in tongues. They don't believe in Jesus, let alone the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. But they believe, they believe in the laws of sowing and reaping. And they have prospered. So when I say, I don't need a church service before I give. That's what I'm trying to explain to them. Develop the lifestyle that I can give and I give at any opportunity. It's also someone who sows wind. Anytime it's time to give, then you freeze. Yes. You see, it can explain your state. Because some of the bad thoughts that people have about giving is that it's like a church is taking their money or a pastor is taking their money. But you see, one thing you also ask yourself that without my giving, do they lack? They seem to have shoes. They seem to have clothes. So what, what, am, I, what am I doing to myself? Because even though I don't give, they seem to be okay. The vampires that you, you claim they are. <laughs> they, seem, they seem to have another bowl of blood somewhere that they are drinking. <laughs> so that should disprove that theory and that notion. And rather decide to obey what the Bible says and do what the Bible says. Hmm. Number two. Six reasons, isn't it? Number two. Non-tithers become poor because they do not attract blessings on their lives. Oh, yes. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. They don't do anything that attracts blessings. Your actions attract something in particular. It attracts something. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now here, we say the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. 
So you, you attract a blessing by tithing. You don't tithe, you don't attract that blessing. That blessing, because this is like a condition. It's not like uh, God just opens windows and then pours out blessings. He said, if you bring the tithe, I open the window and I get blessed. So a non-tither does not attract this uh, covenant and this blessing. This principle is never activated in his life because he does not do what it takes to get it. Mm-hmm. If you don't dress in a certain way, you don't get some eyes following you. Yes. Yes. Aj, tomorrow is Monday. <laughs> yes. So do things that attract blessings. So Anyway, tithe attracts blessings. Okay. Yes. Attracts blessings. Attracts blessings. Attracts blessings. Yes. Number three. Non-tithers become poor because they are cursed. Malachi 3. Let me show you. Everything Bible. Everything Bible. Malachi 3 and verse 8. Would you like to be cursed? Okay, so, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? That he answers, in tithes and offerings. Yes. You didn't tithe. I blessed you. Increased you, you didn't bring your tithe. I increased you, you didn't even give an offering. It's Robin. Robin. Then verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the entire nation. Mm. So you have robbed me, so you are cursed with a curse. A curse is a frustration. It's a frustration. That when you're expecting some returns, you don't get those returns. Yes. Hmm. So don't tie this, become poor because they are cursed. You shall escape that curse. Yes. You, 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 will be, you will be a tither. I believe you'll be a tither. Tither and a giver. Yes. Somebody will ask you and say that and ask you that why are you a Jew? My means like you are really prospered. So you're really doing well in life. It's like are your ancestors, I mean, you know. Somewhere. Number four. Non-tithers become poor because devourers constantly eat their wealth. Malachi 3:11. So apart from the curse, it says that, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. That is, those who pay their tithe, their devourer will be rebuked. So because the devourer has been rebuked, they don't experience it. But when you don't pay the tithe, the devourer is released. He's free. 
He's free to devour what he has to devour. That is to spoil what he wants to spoil. And to eat what he wants to eat. Hmm. Number five. Non-tithers are become poor because the fruits of their fields are constantly destroyed. You see that the same verse 11. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. So it means when you don't pay your tithe, the fruits of your ground are destroyed. And then number six, non-tithers become poor because they lose their fruits before they get a chance to harvest. Same verse. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Now you see, these are all, these are all spiritual things that you have to obey so that all these different spiritual forces can be stopped from gaining access to you. The, def- the devourer, the destroyer, casting your fruit before it's time, you know, all those things must be canceled out of your life. My message to you is that when you are dealing with God, don't try and be clever. God is not a man. He's not a man. He's not a man. That you, it's like you can, you can outwit him. He sees everything. He can see everything. He will, not say any, he will not say anything because his words are yea and amen. His words are true. He doesn't even have to say anything to you. The principles have been set. The covenants have been set. You do this, you get that. You don't do it, nothing happens. Nothing happens. So one day someone, someone's boss w- wakes up and says, look, you have been dismissed from your workplace. God will not intervene and do anything. Because you don't do what it takes for him to intervene. Communion, receiving communion, receiving communion doesn't solve this problem. Communion takers doesn't solve this problem. So in addition to your taking of communion, you have to fulfill the other things you need to fulfill. Otherwise, it's like God is not a just God. He's not a fair God. It's like, oh, it's like, I don't pay tithe, but I take communion. So God, you know, open the windows. Open the, I just finished receiving communion. God, open the window. Don't open the window. We realize that sometimes we try to be clever. Even though we are, we are doing the, we are doing the, we are dealing with the only wise God. The only wise God. By dealing with him, you are trying to be clever. You are trying to be smart. Trying to be smarter than him. Say, God, I received the communion, Lord. Today the communion time was powerful. Will you, will you open the window? Will you open it? And his word, he will not even respond because his word is there. Bring in the tithe and I'll open the windows. Not taking the communion and I'll open the window. I hope it's clear. So I've given you the six things and I pray that God will bless you. Pick up your communion and stand to your feet.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Talk to God for a minute or two. Talk to him. Thank him. Yes. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Malani Sastia Talabakasaya. Everybody praying. Everybody praying. Everybody praying for yourself. Yes, Jesus. Malani Sastita Fire. Marine Dolanishan Dilibi Casa Siso. Casa Siso. Casa Siso. Kapati Shatalabaki Pasastaya. Come on in us on the Libicata side. Malanati Shatalabaki Patasa. Jesus, I thank you, Maladashi Batalabakapatasaya. Palabadi ribi kapata sati sostaya. Ma vila dasi na laba kapa shatala. Badi laba diba sosta laba kipata saya. Malamadoli mikataya. Touch our hearts, oh God. Soften our hearts, oh God. Malamati shapataya. Laba di laba kapata saya. Ye na lina sondi libi saya. Prendoli mayandeli bikapata saya. Prendeli mikopata la bidastaya. Fadasti andeli bikapata saya. Oh Jesus, my Lord and my God. Alamakapata fire. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blessing of the tithe. We thank you for the blessing of an open heavens. Thank you for the blessing of opened windows in the heavens, oh God. Thank you for this great and mighty blessing that you give to us, Lord. Let your people be favored. Thank you, Lord, that your words are true. As we obey and as we follow you, we shall see your promises 
be fulfilled in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us, for showing us what we need to do, and for guiding us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, I want to pray for you. Especially, it's your turn to receive a prayer now. Somebody invited you to church. Or you have been going to church. But you don't really have a relationship with God. This evening, you want to say that, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my heart to God. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a real Christian. I want to be your child, oh God. Pastor, please pray with me. If you're here like that, while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, you will say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a child of God. I want to lift up your right hand wherever you are and I'll pray with you. Pastor, pray with me. I need Jesus in my life. God bless you. I can see your hand. You also want to join in. Don't think about anybody. Don't think about any. You see, the more you think about, the more you forget about yourself. I want you to think about yourself. And you need Jesus. Need Jesus. Just your right hand. Let's do this very quickly. I need to give my life to Jesus today. I need to give my life to Jesus today. God bless you. I can see your hands. I can see your hands. You also want to join in. I need Jesus in my life. Just your right hand. And I'll pray with you. And I'll pray with you. If you have your hand lifted up, come to me very quickly. Come to me very quickly. Come out of the seat. Very quickly. Maybe you didn't even lift up your hand, but you want to give your life to Jesus. Come as well. Come very quickly. Come very quickly. Let's be quick. Let's be quick. Come to Jesus. Come to the love of God. Come to the love of God. Come to the love of God. Maybe you are still thinking. Should you come or not? Come as you are thinking. As you are thinking about it, just come. Just come. Just come. Come, 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 come. Come. Come to Jesus. Yes. Come to Him. Come. Come. Come and give your life to Jesus. Come and give your life to Jesus. Come. Come. Come all the way. 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 I'm waiting for you. You know yourself. You know you are not sure of your salvation. Come and be sure. Come and be sure. Come and be sure. Come running. Come running. Come running to the mercy. I'm waiting for you. Is there one more? You want to give your life to Jesus? His grace will be your covering. God bless you. Let's pray. Those in front say this prayer. Close your eyes. Let us all close our eyes. Those in front say this prayer after me. And the church help us. As we say this prayer, say, Heavenly Father, please forgive me of all my sins and of all my mistakes. I am sorry for all the bad things I've done. Please have mercy on me. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus died for my sins. And he rose up on the third day. Now say, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Say, thank you, Father, for accepting me. 
and making me a child of yours. In Jesus' name. Father, give them your blessing. May they be established in your house. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Please receive these gifts. We have this gift for you. It's a book for you to read. A book. I pray you read it and it helps your Christian life. Okay, now our lady pastor would like to have a word with you before you come back to your seat. So you can please go with her this way. She'll talk to you briefly, then you come back. God bless you. Thank you. Take your communion. Take up the word and receive. Thank you, Jesus. Malamatasha Malamatoshi Patasata. Take it as often as you will. Yes, Lord. Take a minute and pray for yourself. Pray about your secret struggles. Secret, whether it's a sickness, a disease, a habit, addiction, whatever it is, by the power of the blood of Jesus, you'll be set free today. So just take a minute and pray about it before we receive the communion. Talk to God about it. Talk to him about it. Talk to God about it. Maybe it's not something you want to shout out, but God hears your whispers. He hears your whispers. Tell him about it. Mention it specifically. The sickness, the disease, the addiction, the habit, the struggles, the struggles. A secret one, a secret one, a secret one. Pray about it. Pray about it. He's listening. He's listening. He will heal you. He will save you. He will heal you. He will save you. He will save you. He will heal. He will save. He will heal. He will save. That yoke shall be broken. He will heal. Jesus died for us. He himself took our infirmities. He took it. Our shortcomings. Our handicaps. He took it. Help us Lord. Help us Lord. Help us Lord. Help us Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, Heavenly Father. Amen. The Bible said the night in which Christ was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and eat it. And as often as you do this, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. The body of Christ. Eat all of it. Want some of my body? Mm. 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 
Wanton? Mm. Mm. God blessed. Thank you, Jesus. And then he took the cup of the supper. And he said, This is my blood in the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of the sins of many. That is for the cancellation of all sins and all marks of Satan in your life. Every mark of the enemy is washed away by the blood. By this blood. By this blood. Every mark, every seed of the enemy shall be drowned and wiped away from your conscience, from your souls, from your spirits. Every struggle. Ah, God. The blood of Jesus. Drink it. It washes away. Now receive your blessings. Blessing. May the Lord answer your prayers that you prayed last year. All the prayers you prayed about last year that were not answered. In February this year, may answers arise. May answers appear. May answers come into being. Answers to all your prayers. In the name of Jesus. 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 Now may all secrets. Secret problems. Problems that are difficult. There's somebody here. Some people here. Difficult to explain. Difficult to share. May that problem also receive healing by the power of God. Now may all who are called pastors, all pastors and workers, receive a double portion of the Spirit on you and on your life in the name of Jesus. And now I see something like a sand. But I see something also like a rock. May the Lord lift you from the sand and place your feet on a rock. I therefore declare stability and stabilization. Stabilization. The prophecy you believe is the prophecy that will happen. Receive stabilization. Let me hear your loudest amen. And finally, lift your hand. Lift your right hand. Just your right hand. Whatever you couldn't do for yourself with your hand, may the Lord do it for you. What you couldn't engineer and what you couldn't organize and what you couldn't manipulate, may the Lord himself stretch out his hand and organize it for you and do it for you. Receive this blessing. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And let me hear your very loudest. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Wow. We hope. 
that you've been blessed by this message. For more information, follow us on social media. Search for First Love London on Facebook and YouTube and First Love UK on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Have a blessed week.